If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim, Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. Hello, somebody family. We have returning from the great state of California, the 17th Congressional District, the one and only Ro Khanna. Congressman Khanna represents the heart of Silicon Valley and is serving his third term. He is a member on the House Committee on Agriculture, Armed Services and Oversight and Reform where he chairs the Environmental Subcommittee. Additionally, Rep. Khanna is the deputy whip of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Now, Sister Turner, I know a little bit about being the whip. I was the whip in the Ohio Senate, baby. Whip it good. There used to be a song about whipping it good. (laughs) I'm just cracking myself up here in this introduction of my dear friend. And he serves as the assistant whip for the Democratic Caucus and is the Democratic Vice Chair of the House Caucus on India and Indian Americans. Most importantly, Congressman Rokana is a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. And we got a chance to deepen our our growing uh, relationship when he became one of the national co-chairs for Senator Bernie Sanders 2020 campaign, along with Mayor Eulene Cruz from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and the Minister of Ice Cream himself, Ben Cohen. 
when I tell you I've had many experiences throughout my life and, and hopefully by the grace of God, I will continue to have more and more experiences that enrich my life and change. You know, people, we got to evolve. We got to change. Those experiences help us to grow. But I will tell you, working with those three was absolutely tremendous. And Congressman Ro Khanna has uh, definitely been a very positive force in my life. So I am looking forward to this repeat visit to Hello Somebody. Come on, let's go in. Congressman, welcome to Hello Somebody again. So good to have you back. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. So much is happening right now. I just don't even know where to start. But I am thinking what is weighing heavily on my mind at this moment. And I would love to hear what you think is what the Supreme Court just did in terms of, in my opinion, doubling down on Shelby v. Holder. I mean, that's how I feel about it. Well, they are taking away voting rights from uh, black people, from brown people. The most staggering line in the Supreme Court decision is they said, we understand that because of racism, these burdens will fall disproportionately on uh, black people, on on uh, Latinos, uh, but, but we don't care. Uh, right. You have to deal with it. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter that they've been structurally disadvantaged by racism. Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, that was literally the decision. It used to be that they were some kind of pretext of justice and fairness. Here they're basically saying, yeah, we understand that that we had this problematic history and people have been left out and oppressed, but that's tough luck for them. Yeah, they're basically saying, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say the word, but that's what they're saying. You're on your own and uh, too bad, so sad. Was it surprising to you, given the makeup of the court or? No, it wasn't. We've been saying that this is the likely outcome of the the court when it comes to voting rights. But, you know, the Democrats can't complain too much in that we have a remedy. And that remedy is to pass voting rights legislation with a filibuster uh, exception. And we can even pass the mansion plan. It's one thing if the Supreme Court were to strike down congressional statute, which we're passing, but they're not. They're just upholding these state laws, which we could vacate with an act of Congress. So we would have a lot more credibility to point the finger at the court if we actually pass legislation in Congress. And some of us are progressive have said, OK, let's pass Manchin's plan. It's 70 percent there, even if the, we disagree with 30 percent. But Manchin, it you have to be willing to pass your own plan. You have to be willing to pass the mansion plan. Even to do that, you have to get rid of the filibuster or have an exception to the filibuster. Sure. And and that was the same in Shelby B. Holder, too. I mean, I saw that as a as a challenge to the Congress. Yes, no, exactly. And, and John Lewis drafted a, a congressional statute uh, bearing his name today that says, OK, let's beef up the, the voting rights. So Yes, the court has taken isn't doing the job of standing up for, for, for justice, as some of the great Supreme Court jurists have, as uh, Ginsburg or Thurgood Marshall or Brennan uh, or others have. 
but the, what they're saying is, well, that's we're not going to do it. But Congress, if you want to do it, go ahead. And, you know, they actually didn't overturn the Affordable Care Act. So my view is if we did pass it in the Congress, I don't think the Supreme Court would overturn it. And the reason that's so important, Senator Turner, is it shows that we can't just pass the buck. We can't, it's not in good faith for those of us in Congress or the Senate to just lay the blame on the Supreme Court. We have the power. We need to do something. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And I, I mean, just the frustration between what the Supreme Court has done and the, I think it's almost 400 bills at the time that we're talking in the early part of July, uh, 400 bills percolating through legislatures all across this country in 47 states. You know, I'm ashamed to say that Ohio is certainly one of those states. And if and when the voter disenfranchisement bill passes, it it will really uh, hurt and set us back and be one of the worst bills uh, or worst laws in the country. So to have the Supreme Court make that ruling earlier this week with the current climate that is uh, percolating throughout states across this country, I think it's really easy for people to really be discouraged and want to throw up their hands. And a lot of people may not know that Congress can correct this wrong. Yes, they uh, and and we can. And it's something that is going to affect so much uh, of uh, the elections in 2022. Yes. I read somewhere, I mean, what do you think, uh, Sir Kerr? I read somewhere that Ohio has been Trumpified. I saw some article about that just the other day. Is that really going on in, in, in your home state? Very much so. Absolutely. It's Sam and they have Republicans have more of a supermajority than even when I was in that legislature between 2008 and 2014. They continue to gain ground. And as a matter of fact, in the 2020 election cycle, Mr. Trump gained votes in Ohio. I mean, he did better in Ohio in 2020 than he than even in 2016. I mean, he came into Ohio in June and a big rally. I mean, thousands of people showed up. And so his presence and his impact here is still very strong, extraordinarily strong. And this is the state, you know, let us not forget that this state uh, voted, made history in 2008 by voting for Senator Obama, making him President Obama and did it again uh, the second time around in 2012. This is still that state. And my biggest fear, you know, Ohio used to be seen as a swing state. We're not swinging much anymore, Congressman. And why is that? Why do you think it's gone so far to the right? I mean, it's uh, because they did vote for President Obama twice. Yeah, it did. I just believe that, uh, especially for some family and friends and sisters and brothers in the more rural parts of this state. I mean, Ohio is very much an agricultural state. We're not often talked about in that way and recognizing our agricultural roots, our rural roots. But I do believe between the rural parts and also a lot of people were hurt by the trade deals. And Trump had yeah. a very populist message, as you know, in 2016, even though he, he was lying through his teeth. He did talk about those bad trade deals and Democrats just have not been able to overcome uh, the presence, the impact, the influence of the Trump type of populism. A lot of people lost their jobs. And as you know, I mean, if you jump in a hole, not jump in a hole, but if you are in a hole, it's harder to get out than it was to get in. And there are a lot of families of rural, suburban and urban, but particularly in rural communities and the, the white working class who are definitely hardened. And the feel as though Democrats are not answering to the ch- changes in their material conditions. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that is uh, absolutely what, what we need to do in terms of actually delivering on a $15 wage, delivering on uh, jobs bills, delivering on getting rid of student debt, on health care, uh, on getting rid of these bad trade deals. Uh, and uh, until, until people see tangible improvements in their lives, uh, they're going to continue to, to be susceptible to, uh, to, to terrible messaging. That's right. To the lies, because it is lies. I mean, one million Ohioans lost their employer-sponsored health insurance since the pandemic uh, wow. began. And we know nationally, uh, millions of people, it was already about almost 90 million people uninsured or underinsured before the pandemic. And I think if we add what has happened in the pandemic to what was already reality, we get closer to 100 million people in this country who are either uninsured or underinsured and bankruptcies, you know, that just the, the, the impact and the burden of having a uh, healthcare that is commodified. And if you lose your job, you lose it all. And that's right. really the game that we're playing right now, Congressman. I don't understand why, especially since the pandemic. I mean, have you seen, you know, both in your, you know, in your district and, or in your work on the Hill, does it seem like people, let's start with the people on the Hill do they really get this, that there's really flesh and blood behind these policies and that people really are hurting? We may not be wearing mad. The mask mandate may be gone, but the hurt and the pain is not. The suffering is not gone. Well, you're absolutely right. And you're out on the trail. So you see it and, and hear it. And you've always been close to people. But I think on the Hill, you're right. It's just viewed too much now as a intellectual issue or a political issue. And people aren't realizing that there's still so many people who are without health care, who can't afford the health care of the private market, or those who do have the health care on the private market, on the exchanges, they are still underinsured. They fear right. going to the doctor because they don't want to pay the medical bills, or they have to fight with insurance companies to get some drug approved. And the urgency of having Medicare for All, you would think when we had a health care crisis, that was the time. But I haven't noticed any movement on the Hill, not a single sort of move in the direction of Medicare for all or expanding Medicare. I have noticed a move in my constituency and among grassroots and among people. Yeah. But the Hill, I think, is just so beholden to the special interests. And uh, that's there are a lot of places the president has moved in a progressive direction. Uh, but healthcare so far, there hasn't been. I mean, we'll see if he hopefully embraces Senator Sanders' proposal on increasing Medicare and having the seniors covered with vision, with dental, uh, with hearing. That's, I don't understand why anyone would be opposed to that. It's not just the right thing to do. It's such smart politics. But, you know, it's uh, still an uphill fight. In many ways, I see it as an indifference, which is really a dangerous place to be. I mean, when you analyze the magnitude of people suffering. I mean, even right now, we know lots of, of our fellow Americans are facing evictions. We also know, unless the Congress acts, that some people don't have to repay their loans, you know, right now. You got to break. I mean, you got to repay them eventually. That is going to be ending soon. I just sometimes feel like some of the people in Washington either have an indifference to or they're so far removed from the lived experience of the majority of Americans in this country. Even if you are solidly middle class, if you have a health emergency, that could set you back 
for a lifetime. Absolutely. And God forbid if you have someone in your family who needs long-term care, you could be with an Alzheimer's patient and the caretaker and the, these families are almost bankrupt because if you're if you have someone who has Alzheimer's, if they have to be in a hospital, if they have to be in long-term care, what they do is they have to go bankrupt until Medicaid covers it because Medicare doesn't cover it, insurance doesn't cover it, long-term care. So we have families that any family that has a chronic illness, unless you're ultra rich, you basically yeah. are one step away from bankruptcy in this country. And medical bankruptcies are still the largest source of bankruptcy. Uh, and then you look at the average stress of so people who aren't going bankrupt, but uh, hospital bills, uh, uh, bills for, for taking care of their kids. You know, the only time people have ever asked to borrow money from me has literally been about healthcare expenses. And they come and it's a matter of often great vulnerability and shame because no one wants to borrow money. It's a matter of pride and dignity. You never want to do it. But sure. that's what our healthcare system is forcing people into, the desperation. But you know what? The thing, the beautiful thing about this very serious topic that we're discussing right now is that it doesn't have to be this way. Now, every other industrialized nation on the face of the earth has some type of uh, universal health care. And, you know, I, I just had a session with the Dem the Dems abroad and just to hear the stories that they're telling and the resolve that they have to continue to push along with people like you and, and myself and others to have universal health care is because of their experiences in the countries where they're working right now and talking about the fact that they have either no cost or very low cost health care. Like they're, the bill, I mean, even if you have health care as you were laying out, by the time you get home almost, that copay deductible premiums, you can have health insurance and still have a, th a bill in the thousands of dollars uh, once you get home that you you can't afford and you're thinking you you have health care and you you don't i mean it's not it's not adequate i'll put it that way so i know congressman you 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 have a bill it's the state based universal health care act of of 2019 um i think did you reintroduce that we did yeah. and senator warren is going to be introducing it in the senate and it's a, a bill that allows states like ohio or california to say if you want to do single payer go do it show to the country that it's possible and you can use the federal money that you currently get on for Medicare and Medicaid to make that single payer possible as long as the coverage is as good as Medicare and Medicaid currently and you cover everyone. So it, it's uh, how Canada got single payer. It started in Saskatchewan. And uh, I think we need that approach here in the United States. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. I agree with you, and I know, I believe in both the legislature of California and the legislature in New York, that there were some very courageous and visionary elected officials who actually introduced a state-level universal health care. And the model that you laid out about Canada, I really do believe if the federal government does not act and act in a timely way, that our greatest hope is to have states take this up and be successful and so that we keep marching towards uh, getting it done nationally. Yeah, and so much of progressive policy comes from the states. And one of the reasons that the experiment of single pair failed in Vermont, I mean, people kept bringing that up, oh, single pair didn't work in Vermont. Well, it didn't work because the federal government didn't allow the funds from the federal health care to be used. How can the state do single pair when without the uh, federal revenue that funds Medicare and Medicaid. This would make it possible. Uh, the folks who tried single pair in Vermont said if we had the federal waivers, we would have succeeded. So let's show that this is uh, very attractive on the state level while we side by side work on getting a single pair bill through the United States House. Well, I love it. I mean, I think your bill allows for waivers. Is that right? That the states exactly. can. Okay. Yes, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I hope more states will uh, take the plunge as California and New York are trying to do and to do that. And I, that will definitely get us closer to having universal health care nationally. It's, it's something that must happen. It's cheaper. It's more cost effective. Let me say that and I call it cheap, more cost effective. It helps individuals. It also helps companies too. Congressman, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know when we talk about it globally, especially on the progressive movement, we do lean heavily. And I think for the right reasons on the moral side of it, that is uh, to me a foundational reason to do it. But there are other reasons right. to do this too, is, is more economically sound. And even there was a more right leaning think tank that, had to had to admit that as well, but it it also helps uh, companies help, especially small businesses. Well, absolutely. I mean, think about it. The uh, biggest fear that startups have, that small businesses have, is the healthcare costs, and uh, this is often what uh, drives businesses under. It is often what forces businesses to outsource their jobs, so they end up becoming contractors because they don't want to pay the healthcare fees. It's what stagnates wages. The wage stagnation in this country is because the businesses are paying their money instead in health insurance. You take that away and you're going to see an increase in wages, an increase in business profitability, an increase in the ability of businesses to hire people and not to outsource that work. And you're really taking away the 
uh, biggest constraint on businesses, the anchor on businesses, which is these healthcare costs. That's exactly right. And I do want to see uh, Democrats and other proponents for universal health care, Medicare for all, for us to talk about it in a very holistic way, because different people will gravitate to this for different reasons. Some because they understand it from their lived experiences. Others will gravitate to this because they know and understand it's the morally right thing to do. And others will gravitate to it because for a return on investment and what is our skyrocketing health costs, our health outcomes are not better. As a matter of fact, they're worse. You know, some people will say, you know what, that's a that's a good business decision to make. So however they come, I feel like we got something for everybody in, in to support Medicare for all, whichever way they want to Absolutely. come. Absolutely. I think it's the right thing. I think it's a the thing based on dignity, but it's also the thing based on ec- uh, economics. And so there's a lot of good reasons for it. Now, if somebody were to say to you, you know, Congressman, you're reaching too high, you're dreaming too big. This is never going to happen in the United States of America. Why do you all continue to push for this knowing good and well it can never happen? What do you say to somebody that's saying that to you? I say, look, we made a lot of progress. People have said the same thing about uh, the child tax credit. We're getting a child allowance now in this country. And if you look at Medicare for all, when I came into the Congress, which was just about five years ago, there may have been 30 people on the Medicare for All bill. Now you have over 100. It's the majority of the Democratic caucus. And you have even the president saying, let's expand Medicare to 60. So the more we push, I don't think, I'm not sure it'll all happen in one sweep under the Biden administration, but can we get Medicare expanded towards 60, towards 55, towards 50, and start working on that goal? Can we get single payer in different states? Absolutely. And then, of course, we uh, elect eventually a, a, a even more progressive president, and that'll allow it to take place. But uh, I do think we have to be willing to get rid of the filibuster for this to ever happen, because I doubt you can get 60 votes to even expand Medicare, but you could get 51 votes. Yeah, I totally agree. And there is a move afoot to pressure the Senate to get rid of the filibuster, uh, understanding very clearly that it should be based on the majority and not this 60 uh, votes necessary for most bills that come before the Senate and how the filibuster has historically been used uh, to really stop uh, racial justice progress, actually. And, you know, from the time it was um, it was created to even in the 60s, I think a lot of people forget that uh, certain senators tried to filibuster against uh, the Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. And it just has a horrible legacy to it. And we must get rid of it to get anything done. Do you have a fear? Some people have expressed, well, you know, be careful what you wish for. You get rid of the filibuster when Democrats are no longer in control. If that ever happened, then it can be used. You know, this would not be good for us. I put that in air quotes if we if we do this. Well, first of all, the side of conservatives are the ones that want to block change and block social progress. They're fine with the status quo. So what does the filibuster do? It's a fundamentally conservative tool. It wants things to stay uh, the same. Secondly, uh, when we have enacted things, they tend to be hard to repeal. Uh, There's a reason that the Voting Rights Act was never repealed by the Congress. It was popular. It took the Supreme Court to gut it. It's a reason that the ACA was never repealed. Uh, and I don't think once we give people a franchise to vote or we give them health care, that it would be easy to repeal for a Republican president and a Republican Congress. And finally, uh, even if they do manage to repeal it, don't you want to get it enacted and uh, have our progress and have that fight ultimately 
than basically have the country stuck in the status quo. I guess, I guess it finally comes down to, do you believe that our project is done? Do you believe that we've attained the perfect, just democracy? Or do you think we have quite a lot of work to do? I believe we have a quite a lot of work to do, which means I'm willing to take the chance to improve things that it's not going to be a linear line to progress. Well, I say amen to that. I think it is very much worth uh, the so-called risk to be able to do right now in our time what is necessary to help uh, people in such a critical, crucial time for our species and other species that depend on the human species to do the right thing from climate uh, chaos to racial justice, voting rights, legalize, decriminalizing and legalizing marijuana. I mean, you name it. It is important to have those debates. And when you can't even have those debates and, and vote a bill up or down in the in the Senate because of the filibuster, we have a problem. So I'm I'm a, I'm with you, Congressman, and I think it's very much worth the risk. You know, we've talked about a lot of issues that are really heavy, and I know that people are, on one hand, maybe feeling a little more liberated because people are getting out and about a little more. They're able to see yeah. their, their loved ones. Elders suffered. I want to say all of us suffered uh, from the pandemic. Uh, people who are among the poor, the working poor, and the barely middle class certainly suffered more because they did not have a lot of things in their lives where they could have relief. The two groups that, that it troubled me the most for was our elder community and also the very young, especially uh, high school students. And, you know, there's such social beings at that age and, and to, to not be, be able to be out and be as social as they ordinarily would be, but especially for our elders. I mean, many elders, their relatives could not see them. They only could drive by and wave or just, they couldn't hug them. And I think hugs are for people who do like hugs. I know everybody doesn't. Let me put that out there. But it's just something about the human contact that I think drives us every single day. And so as people are just trying to get back out there to do, you know, just to get some normalcy. And I put that in air quotes, too, because I often say some people's normal is still not good. So I'm not talking about policy wise, but just in human interaction. What? What words would you say or, you know, just in part to to just remind people that even though the, the challenges we face seem very grave and they are and they're going to be very hard, that it is also promising the problem. There are opportunities out there for us to continue to grow and to love and to, to really change the dynamic of our individual, communal, national and, and world circumstances. We can't give up. Well, I think we see the, the success of so many uh, new voices. I mean, uh, the uh, success of uh, progressives and, 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 and women and uh, women of color and uh, young people uh, and uh, people who have questioned the establishment running, resonating on bold policy in their communities. And they're the stars in Congress, by the way, but the, these new members of Congress are the ones who are attracting the imagination, attracting the attention, because they're speaking to what people want. And of course, uh, uh, you're a star in the making. I mean, you're already a star in the Bernie tra tra uh, uh, campaign and in your own right as a state senator. But I think uh, if uh, the people of Ohio uh, send you to Congress, you're going to be an incredible force from day one and capture the nation's imagination. So there, it, it's not like we're not winning. We're winning in many battles. I mean, it's a long fight and there is a uh, not going to be instant uh, returns or gratification. But I'm very encouraged when I see the kind of politics that's taking place, at least in uh, grassroots communities across America. 
Well, amen to that. I am encouraged as well. And we want you, yes, Congressman Rokana and I, we want you to be encouraged too. When everyday people put a little extra on their ordinary, extraordinary things do begin to happen. And we are seeing that in real time in our lifetime. And we must continue to push Congressman Ro Khanna from the great state of California, the 17th Congressional District. My dear friend, fellow 2020 Bernie Sanders co-chair, along with the amazing Mayor Carmen Eulene Cruz and the one and only Minister of Ice Cream, Ben Cohen himself. Congressman, it has been such a pleasure to have you back on Hello, Somebody. Well, thank you, Senator Turner. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I... uh value your voice i value your your spirituality your sense of justice and i'm excited about continuing to partner with you in so many ways and uh, was honored to be back on pleasure is all mine and i share that excitement thank you so very much thank you Funny is not my strong suit. I'll try. I'll try my best. <laughs> well, fun and funny couldn't be two different things. You are definitely fun, and guess what? I'm not funny either. <laughs> I think you turn it on the humor on the on the trail. I think that's that's. Uh... It wasn't deliberately though. It was probably more by accident. Hello, somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. 
Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.